figured I'd grab the Bible this time instead of just, you know, really mix it up instead of just the iPad. Hey, let's, let's pray before we get into this. I'll, I'll tell you, something that's on my heart is uh, quite a few conversations, emails, texts with people that are sick right now. They're hurting. Like our, our brother Jim, he really is in the hospital. He needs some, some medical assistance. We got some folks with, with the, the Corona 2021 now or whatever you want to call it, man. It's just, it's, it's, there's a lot of that going on. So I just want to ask the Lord to bless our time and to, and to bring healing to our land and to our brothers and sisters, okay? Lord, we just ask you uh, just to be with those that are hurting, those that are sick, be with Jim uh, and, and, another, and a bunch of other people I know that, are, I won't say their name, but I know that they're sick and they're, they're struggling and they're hurting and people coming out of surgeries and people with COVID and it's just a crazy time. But we're comforted, Lord, because we know that, that none of this is outside your authority, outside your power, outside your control and ability to stop it when need be. So we just trust you, and that's, we want to trust you more, Lord. Help us with our distrust. We want to believe and put our confidence in you more, but help us with our unbelief. I pray for this time that you'd speak to us from from 1 John today. I pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So we're going through 1 John. We take little field trips, like Holy Spirit field trips. I'm, I'm hoping that's what it is. It's not just me, like, going to sleep with a weird... I ate something weird. But hopefully hopefully that's been good. But today, we're back to 1 John chapter 5. So turn in your Bibles with me. If you have one, if not, uh, there's there should be one in the pockets around you. This is important because... If you don't look for yourself, I could just lie to you, and I, you don't want that, okay? Because people will lie. First uh, John five verses five through twelve. We'll read. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is He who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we agree with the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God, that he is born concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar, because he's not believed in the testimony that God is born concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. Is it clear? Really clear? We're good? Go eat some cake? Um, let's, let's, now that we've put that out there, let's kind of unpack this a little bit. Um, talking about blood and, and water and spirit might not be the most regular language, right, for our time. So let me call your attention. We're going to go a couple verse by verse here. Uh, verse 5. So this is where we left off last week. We included this. Verse 5 says, Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? 
Let's, let's just say what it is here. What I hope today is to tell you in actuality, in context, what John is writing about here and who he's writing this to. And then I hope that we can talk about the implications of this. And that's where it's going to really, I hope, hit the heart of people. That's my prayer. So what's really happening here is he's, helping, he's writing to early believers. And the reality of those early believers is they're not too happy with where the systems of the world are. The world around them is not necessarily friendly to the kingdom of God. Now, my question to you is, can you relate? Yes, right? The, the overcome word here refers to like conquering, holding on, and, and outlasting, overcoming. That's that kind of feeling, okay? The, the world here is not talking about the planet. It's not like I held on to the tree during the hurricane and made it through. We're talking about the systems at play in the world, the, the governments, the belief systems, the cultures, the norms, right? The sin, all of this stuff. So the picture is we've got a group of people trying to figure out how in the world do I follow this this Jesus, God's son, who's not physically present with me anymore. And what I have is the testimony of those who walked with them in the written records of what happened before he came. Okay, But they live in a world that's increasingly becoming corrupt, increasingly coming against them, and they're angry, I'm sure, frustrated, hopeless. And I think, wow, John, okay, this is a letter for us. This is a letter for us. And then he goes on to say, verse 6, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. Now, this is the type of talk, guys, in, in the Gospels. You'd see Jesus talking like this, and the people who loved it when he gave them fish and bread and had a party they started to think he was a little nuts when he started talking like this, right? That's right. That's exactly right. You did. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. Verse 7 says this, For there are three that testify. Okay, why is this important? Why is this important? You guys have ever been told a lie? Have you ever been misrepresented of what really went on? Like, Chris, you wouldn't believe it, man. There was like 10,000 people. Was there really 10,000 people? I was like, I was waiting for like 17 hours. Were you really waiting for 17 hours? No, it was exaggerated. And so God, in the Old Testament, he gave them a lot of instruction and a lot of laws, right? So when they lived together, they knew the right way to live together. And what's funny is thousands of years have passed, a bunch of science, a bunch of medical discoveries, the ability to look into the human psychology and biology. And what we found is some of these things that God commanded them to do were made a lot of sense and were really smart. Duh, he's God. Okay? Duh, he's God. So here's one of those things. Uh, It was first established in Deuteronomy 19.15. It says, A single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime, or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he's committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or three witnesses shall a charge be established. Well, this is the rule, right? Like, you can say, I witnessed this, Will. This was a crime, and this went on. I can't necessarily believe you unless that, that, that testimony, your witness, is supported by more than one person. 
It just makes sense, right? So what John is trying to say, understand, these people now, you know, it's in the first century. Jesus has, was crucified, died, resurrected, and ascended. Now he's in power. Holy Spirit's come. It's indwelled, encompassed, and living around and directing all the believers. Churches are being established. People are becoming complacent. They're starting to hear false teaching that's making the minor things major. They're arguing about food. They're arguing about circumcision. They're arguing, right, about everything. And so these spiritual fathers like John who walk with Jesus have to say, check yourself. You've gotten off track here. Okay? This is one of the areas. They're like, he's like, I know. You guys are having this doubt because this whole Jesus thing and being God's son There's lots of debate. Was he really God's son? Was he just a prophet? Was he a good teacher? And John's like, we've got to squelch that nonsense. So please understand, the fact that Jesus was the son of God was witnessed by three that testify. For there are three that testify, verse 7, verse 8, the spirit and the water and the blood. In the regular world, that makes absolutely no sense in our language. So, Hope, who have you brought today to testify for you in court? The water, the spirit, and the blood. They look at you like you're crazy. And then he goes on to say the three of them agree. Okay, what does that mean, Rick? I'm, well, first of all, let's say what testify means. Because we think of testimony, we think of testify, we think of, you know, all these church words, guys, they've been hijacked over time, and they've been given meanings that aren't necessarily what the writers of the Scripture meant. The word testify here isn't too bad, but it's, it's to bear witness, to be a witness, to testify, to affirm that one has heard or experienced something, or that he knows it because it was taught to him by divine revelation or inspiration. So to testify is to simply say, hey, This happened to me, I observed this, I was taught this, and now I want to share this with you. It's a very personal thing. In in religion, we're like, well, what's my testimony? Well, let's talk about the aspects of it. No, what happened to you? Why in the world do you think Jesus is good and that you want to follow him? Right? It's the same with this. So there's a testimony, it's personal. It, it happened to me. It, it was taught to me. I experienced it. And so somehow the blood and the water and the Spirit had this personal experience, and they are bearing witness to Christ. So first of all, the Spirit's testimony. Let's look at that real quick. So bear with me, because I, I want to lay down what, what he's actually talking about. So here, when John's referring to the Spirit, it's not just some random Spirit. Okay? It's, it's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. It's got all these different names, right? And what happened was, if you read in Matthew 3, and if you're taking notes, I'm not going to take you there, but you can note this and go look at it later. Matthew 3, 16 through 17, in that area, it talks about the baptism of Jesus. And the Holy the Spirit of God testified in that, right, that, that Jesus was the Son of God and that he was blessed. So there was witnesses who said, we saw the Holy Spirit say that Jesus is God, right? So the Spirit testified. And then once he did that, that's when Jesus launched off on his ministry. Interesting, right? Like, even Jesus, the Son of God, 
waited until his encounter with the Holy Spirit who made this testimony, and then he launches out on his earthly ministry. Because he was, he was clothed with power, right? And he was given direction by the Holy Spirit. He was empowered even though he had right, all, the, all the limitations of flesh and, and temptation, the Bible says. He was tempted like you and I, but did not sin. How did he do it? The power of God, right, in him. So the fact that the Holy Spirit was with him, that he moved in powerful ways, that he healed, and he spoke truth, and teacher, how come you know exactly what's going on in my heart? He just got that again and again. You can read me like a book. Like, how did you know that? The Holy Spirit. He's testifying to the fact that I am the Son of God. Okay, so the Holy Spirit testifies. That's, that makes a little more sense than the Spirit is my witness, right, to this. The water's testimony. Okay. Now, you could look at that and say, well, that refers to the baptism again. It may be because the, the water. But really, when we look at the whole of the scripture, water often represents this cleansing and purifying agent. Right? Because not only does it metaphorically cleanse you, but also the water itself physically is our best cleansing source. Right? It washes stuff off of us. So... Um, cleansing, and this type of water is the water that Jesus referred to as the living water. The water that gives us life, that cleanses us of all sins and unrighteousness. It's, it's the same water referred to in the prophecy where you can see the water flowing from the throne room of God down the stream by the trees, going off to the earth where, where it's empowering and bathing us. This is what Jesus is like, come to me and I'll give you water that you'll never be thirsty again. Right? It's not actual water. It, it's, this water is referred to again and again, and every time Jesus uses it, it's his words. It's the washing and renewing of the truth. It's the husbands who, who wash their wives in the truth, right? It's, it's the words of God is the water that brings life. So the water refers the words of God, both spoken by Jesus and the ones recorded. Which is why the Bible is so important. It's not just a religious command. It's so important because there is a, there is a purifying and life-giving ability in these words to testify to truth, to tell you who you are. And that's why even I really got to read it more. But, it, but John is telling us, man, the Old Testament that we call that, all the prophecy, all the letters, I mean, all the laws and the, and the laws and the prophets, Right? They all were pointing to the fact that a Messiah was coming and Jesus came and fulfilled those prophecies. The word of God, the water, the living water, testifies to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. The blood's testimony. See, the blood represents here as Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. He gave his life as a ransom for all mankind, right? That any of us who would receive him could become children of God, could be cleansed of our sins. Like, and it worked. He died and he bled, and the Romans made sure of it with a spear. That he was dead, and they buried him, and he resurrected from the dead, and it was witness over that period of time, and he was raised in ascension. So all of that in the blood and its ability to give you new life is a testimony to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, John's a smart guy. When I read this, if you begin to put the human side to this, I think it's helpful. I mean, he's a wise old teacher at this point. He's walked quite a journey. 
And I love it because if I was to give you a message like I just have, you guys are very glazed over because that is just weird. The blood, the water, the spirit. Like, I've heard it in the church, but it's just not moving my heart for the most part. Okay, some of you maybe because God has revealed something to you in that. But for the most of us, it's like, okay. But the world around you is constantly, and the world systems are constantly telling you that Jesus is not as good as the Bible says he is. He's not as powerful as he says he is. As a matter of fact, even our Christian-flavored world systems really want you to do it. They want you to fix everything. They want you to eradicate evil. They want you to build kingdoms. They want you, 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 you in the name of God. It's like the Crusades Part 2, right? Like, yeah, we're doing this for... No, you're not doing this for God. You're doing this for you. Because the world systems want you to believe that we have an insufficient God. And so John is really calling you to it, like he's done the whole time. Don't say that you're in the light and then play in the dark. That's a lie. Don't say you love God, but you don't love your brother. That's a lie. You can't be both. Let's be honest. And that's what he's challenging Christians. And we really need him to challenge us because we've become so complacent. Right? I've become so complacent. So then he says in verse 9 this, if we would receive the testimony of two or three men and, and believe it's true, why in the world wouldn't we receive the testimony of God about his son? I mean, you have to come to that real question. If you don't believe that Jesus is the son of God, then you believe God's a liar. You can't be like, eh, eh, about Jesus. There's no eh about Jesus, right? Verse 10, he goes on to say, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. And when I read that, I think of two things. Those who believe, we have the Spirit in us. So we know that it's true. But we also, when we believe in the Son, like we're going to begin to see those workings of the blood in our life, of the water and the Spirit, Right? Like, those three factors are still going to work in you and I, purifying us, right? Giving us life, renewing us. It's it's our life now, we're going to start becoming a testimony that Jesus is God, right? Our lives should start telling people that too. And, And somewhere along the way, guys, where we've gotten lost is we've let professionals have testimonies, and then I try to share with you their testimony. Not the plan not the way that this works. Okay? So whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he's not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. Don't you love it that John is really challenging us? He's not trying to make friends. He's trying to be honest And he knows, right? He knows, one, from long life and experience, two, time with Jesus, three, and probably most importantly, a long time walking in a dangerous place with the Holy Spirit. The guy's got tremendous wisdom. He knows the slow fade that happens in the life of someone who says, I I mentally acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. Okay, now walk it out. It's going to be rough. It's going to be a challenge. And it's not something you do once and then you're done. It's something you do minute after minute, day after day. But it's going to be hard. There's going to be that fade away. There's going to be that complacency. There's going to be those false messages that come in. 
And so he's like, understand, if you start doubting the core that Jesus is my son, then you're calling me a liar. That's what God is saying. Because you don't believe what I'm saying about him. Okay, so now let me get to this, this big question. I think that, that applies some of this. Sure, the spirit, the water. I mean, you have to ask yourself, is Jesus the son of God? It's a huge question. And really, we've gotten to the place where people speak truth to you and you say yes. In some traditions, you say amen or hallelujah, right? And the louder you say amen or hallelujah, you must have it figured out more, right? Not necessarily. I would love, say amen and hallelujah, but really believe it. That would, be, that would be the best, right? Or say nothing and really believe it. I don't care, okay? But here's the question that I have to ask myself, that you have to ask yourself. So why is it so important to believe that Jesus is the Son of God? I mean, it's a fair question, right? Do you guys know statistics, right? Did you know that like five out of six statistics are incorrect, right? So um, statistics always tell you a story, that they're trying to tell you. They paint a picture that they want. I mean, I could use the, the sample size of this room, the people in here, to make very false and incorrect assumptions about the world around me, okay? But sometimes they tell an interesting story. Did you know that people debate in America, and this is maybe like five, six years old, that some people say 75%, some people say 70 some. Some polls say maybe as low as like 65% of Americans say they're Christian. You heard something like that before? I mean, what, what, what's accurate? I don't know. And honestly, I, I put this before you that I don't care exactly the number. What I would say is that's not true. Okay? If you ask more questions, what, and then if you start asking who believes in God then you're probably going to get 80 or 90% of the people saying, oh, I believe there's a God out there. Well, well, why in the world would a person believe there's a God, be a little bit indifferent about this like feathered hair, brown hair, Jesus guy that holds lambs and babies and raised from the dead, right? Here's the problem. Anyone who's not lying to themselves is going to look around the world and say, where did all this come from? And what are all the intangible things around me? And even primitive native people started saying, there must be some kind of higher power in charge of this bright light and this water and this. And they assigned these gods, right? Um, and even though they gave them the wrong name and they, they took all the attributes of one great god and, and split it up, they were wise enough to see there is some kind of higher power at work, Right? Because as hard as they tried, they couldn't reproduce the sun or the moon or the waves. They couldn't make babies appear. Like, like, right? You couldn't do these. Something miraculous is going on supernaturally above our ability. But when we do that, then we have God who is, by, by our, our understanding of a God, it's a distant thing. A distant, powerful unsearchable, ununderstandable thing. Because I want you guys to help me. Help me with this. Now, if, if, how, do you, how would you say we would interact with a God like that, like a distant God that's out there? How would we react? How would we approach him? What would we do? What would we think? Help me think. 
Well, you would try to please him, okay? That's really good. Now, why would we want to please him? Because what would happen if we didn't? Right, wrath. Yeah, exactly, rain. So you're like, this is wrong. Maybe the power above there is mad at me. And so you, t- you guys collectively have hit on probably exactly the main point. The problem with just a God is you live in such a way like the gods. I can't reach them, and I don't want them to be mad at me because like this fire comes sometimes, and then it doesn't rain, and then the ocean that we live next to, it's like starts to big waves, and it killed Susie, and, and like, you know, the lightning's coming, all these weird things, the ground's shaking, like the gods must be angry, right? Like, um, and so you're constantly like, okay, you put your heads together and you would say, what do we do so we don't make them angry? Okay. Now the problem is with our humanity, what we try to do is we try to push the, the envelope and push the extreme. So what happens with a God who you don't want to make angry is you start to say, huh, Callan, I wonder, man, I wonder if I did this, if you would care. Right? Would God throw the lightning down if I, because I really want to do this? I wonder where the line is. How far can I go? And then you live your entire life. Let's just be good enough that the gods don't destroy us. That's one side. Now, now let's speak to the heart. If you have a distant God who's not near you, and you're Susie's husband who got washed away by the tsunami, like, who's there for you? The distant God who is so cold he killed your wife? The distant God who starved your kids because it didn't rain? Like, that's not close to you. You don't love him. He doesn't love you. That's what's so profound about our faith. But we've given it up. Do you see that? We've given it up because even in our church, it's like, I please the gods because I go to a church on Sunday, right? Or I do this. It's like, but I'm still trying to live, like, how far can I go away from God's principles and ideas and way of living and not get them mad at me so that my kids are okay and my marriage doesn't break up and my employment's okay and I don't get a health scare. I mean, do you see this around you? Do you feel this in you? Like, how far can I go? And that's why it's so huge what happened at Christmas. That's why it's so huge what happened at Christmas, right? Some guy engaged to a girl Hasn't been with her. Is waiting till they get married, right? Like the good Jewish boy would do. Oops, she's pregnant. Well, something's really screwy here, right? Um, and then he gets a dream. And one of the things they tell him in, in the dream is that this baby, like, it is special, right? This baby, and it's going to be him, and his, you're going to be calling him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And I think we forget that because of the life of Jesus and the feathery hair and the lambs and the power. But like ultimately, why this was huge news is because the God who'd been quiet seemingly for 100 years that we were just trying not to make mad. Like God said, kill the lamb. I'm going to do it so he doesn't strike me dead. That distant, fearful God, right? Now it's like God is sending himself to you to be with you. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Like, I can't even, I can't even articulate to you how great that is right now. Like, Lord, what do I even say about that? 
What do I even say about that? But I've been hollering at you for like four or five weeks now about loving and about putting other people before you. And it's dangerous. It's risky business because if I put all my love out there, will it ever be reciprocated by anyone else? Or will I be used and abused and hurt and thrown away? And so we hold back. But that's the cool thing about Jesus. That's why this is such an important question. You can't. The foundation of our faith, our only way back to God is through love. Our only way to receive the love is God with us because the distant God will never get us there. You'll never realize he's good. You'll never realize he's caring because the God with you isn't mad when you get cancer. He isn't disciplining you. The God who is with you mourns when your brother Lazarus dies, even though he knows he's going to raise him from the dead. Your brother, Christ, and God, God with us, when you've been caught in adultery and you're naked and on the ground, he gets to his knees and saves you. Our God with us, our Jesus, like he knows when relationships are crumbling and when health is crumbling and when anger is welling, like he knows. He knows. So rather than taking off even a bigger chunk, I think we need to really focus on this because if you can join me, if you can hear this, this is what I believe, okay? Today might not be the day for you. You might leave here and say, Will is, I don't know what he's doing. This wasn't anything for me. That's okay. That's okay. I think if we really believed what we said we believed, we would change. Right? If we really believed what we said we would believe. So we have to really stop a second and, and spend a little time. That's why I kind of rushed through those verses, because I, I didn't feel in my heart, in my spirit, that like talking to you about the blood and the water testifying is what we needed to hear today. What we needed to hear today is that God is with us. But there's implications to that. There's truths that you must believe in order to get the benefit of that. You've got to receive him, right? You've got to receive Jesus as your Lord, and you have to believe it. So if you're one of those people who are like the 65 or 75 or 90% of the people who in words say, I'm a Christian, I believe that Jesus exists, but I've got zero trust in him, then you're lying. You're lying. And as a matter of fact, you're telling God he's lying because he's telling you Jesus is quite a big deal. And if we're living in such a way that Jesus isn't that big of a deal, we're in disagreement with God. Oh, well, thanks for the feel-good sermon. Well, you're welcome. But, but each individual person has to search themselves, ask the Holy Spirit to, to reveal in themselves where they're at. Am I living? Okay, let's take the belief word because belief in our culture just means I intellectually agree with you. That's not what this word means. This word means I'm in. I'm going to do something about it. Okay? And there's so many things going on. You each have these individual personal journeys of heartache and struggle and pain, and victory, and excitement, and on those excitement times, you want to celebrate, and on those heartbreaking times, you want to cry. But if all you have is a distant God, and you're surrounded by a group of people pretending to be pretty 
for the distant God, then God in your life is not good. I really believe that what John is trying to tell us is don't let the world change what you know was true to begin with. I jokingly say sometimes I think I was smarter when I was like in kindergarten than now. Now, when I was in kindergarten, I knew about being the bigger person. I don't want to steal anything. I don't want to hurt anything or anybody. If I got gum, I would, you know, share it with my sister and my brother or something. And if they stole it, you know, I would just, maybe I'd get mad, but I'd let it. I mean, I had it more figured out than 42-year-old Will. And so sometimes what you knew at first, because if God is doing this, then why in the world do you feel like you've got to get up to speed to make this happen? That's not the way that this works. You need to stop. Because he is up to speed and he's going to make this happen. And will you have faith in him? But it comes back to that core thing. Do I really live like Jesus is the Son of God? Do I really live like what the scriptures are saying is true and that God is good? And that's why John goes on to say, verse 11 and 12, he says, and this is the testimony. Okay, this is what God is testifying to. That God gave us eternal life. That God gave us eternal life. And this might be what I preach on next week. This right here. Because I don't think I'm doing this. Catch one of the words here. If I read it to you this way, tell me how this hits differently. And this is the testimony that God is going to give us eternal life. No, it says, and this is the testimony that God gave us, gave us, gave us, already gave us. And this is thousands of years ago. Gave us eternal life. Ooh, okay. Now, Corey, now I'm interested, man. What's eternal life? And this life is in his son. So wait. Like, the eternal life that I'm looking for is available now, and the way to find it is to follow Jesus where he's going. Okay is now the question becomes, do I believe it? Do I believe it in such a way I'm going to do something about it? That's the beautiful thing, man. Like, God's using COVID and craziness all around us because we're all losing our mind, but we got to reset. We got to reset. Like each one of us, right? Some people learn to paint or write or take more naps during, during like having to be locked at home. You actually start talking to your family again, realize maybe you didn't like them so much or you liked them more. Whatever that is, you've got to deal with that. But we have this reset with Christ. Each day is new. Mercies are new every morning. And so I'm telling you what, this contains life in Christ. But you better believe he's got what it takes to give you life. And if we don't get there first, if we don't begin to wrestle and grapple with that, what that means that we have access to the Son of God, then we make God a liar, and you will never see... Listen, you make God a liar, 
And then a distant God isn't, is never good. I mean, he can be right, but he's not good to you. Let me put it that way. Okay? Distant God who's not with you. Then comes the age-old question. You're asking it. Everyone around you is asking it. How can a good God let suffering in the world? It's not a simple answer, but one part of it is you never suffer alone in this world isn't all that. Okay? That's part of the answer. So he lets that, but with Christ, God with you, the Holy Spirit that Jesus has given you when he went to the Father, and that he's made a home in you, that he walks through you no matter how bad it gets, and it can, that he is with you, he never leaves you, he never disowns you, he never forsakes you, and that he'll be with you until your time comes to breathe your last breath, or he comes back on a cloud to get you. But if you, and then that's good. Then Jesus is good to me. And the people are older. Here's what your challenge. If you're older, right, if your kids are, and I don't want to call old, older, right, because I was young and I woke up one day and I was old, so I get it. But if you were older and you have this experience, what you should start to see is like, <laughs> I, wish I, I wish I could tell them with a the toddler, like, oh, it's going to be okay. You guys are doing a great job. Look at that smile. And with the teenagers to say, and then the people who have raised teenagers to be like, it's going to be okay. Well, they're, they're great kids. You just keep loving them and communicating with them. And then those with the 20-year-old kids who won't talk to them, somebody's got to tell them, this is life with Christ. It's not easy, but it's going to be okay. Keep praying for them. And someone, if your kid dies, who had their kid die, tells you, this is going to be okay. And like, God has this. And if your, your kid, like, renounces everything that they believed and changes their lifestyle, it's going to be okay. And if your wife leaves you, you're going to be okay. And if your husband leaves you, you're going to be okay because God is good to us, because God is with us, because Jesus is God. And, and gone has to be the message, go make your kingdom, whatever that is, and forget whatever God's doing, and hopefully he blesses what I'm doing. No. And gone is that Oh, I got baptized now, man. It's like going to be like a Disney movie. We're going to be singing and skipping. No, it's like you're about to get kicked in the stomach and in the face probably and spit on when you're on the ground. But you're going to smile when you get up because I'm going to be there and we'll wipe the spit off and be like, you got jumped in. Welcome to the club, right? Like now you're in the gang, Jesus gang, right? So um, we've got to be honest what I'm asking you now is, and I'm going to stop talking here in a minute, okay? And we're going to invite the worship team. We're not going to get long-winded about this today because I want you to, to sit in and meditate in this, okay? One, I would, I'm going to ask myself this and I would invite you to ask yourself this. Does my, is my life demonstrating that I trust Jesus as the Son of God who's in control? And then if you get stuck on that, then maybe you'd ask yourself something like this. Well, how would it look different if I was? Let me give you an example, and I'll embarrass my kids. Okay? I have a son about to be 18, a son about to be 15. Anyone who's done this, when you watch your kid drive away in a car, that's like kind of freaky, right? 
Here, son, I'm going to strap you to this bomb and just go for it. Have fun. And while you're at it, play your music loud as you go down the street, right? Like, that is unnerving, okay? And, and that has, I'm not saying anything about your way to drive. And now I'm about to have a second one do it. My house is starting to look like a parking lot, right? So that is unnerving. But, but for me to live like Jesus is the Son of God and he's in control, then I teach my son what I can and he takes the keys and I trust God. And I might pray to keep him safe and I might establish rules like don't be on the phone while you're driving, which they may or may not follow, right? Okay, because, but yeah. Um, but I know ultimately these boys and my daughter will become adults someday, I hope, right? Like, and that they're going to make choices. But I love them, man. I love them, whatever happens to them. I love Jesus, and he loves me, and he loves them. It's going to be huge. And then you could have peace, right? Like, that's how I would walk different. That's how I would walk different. That's how I'd live different with Jesus as the Lord. And to pastor this church, I would, I would trust that it's his. And so I could talk to you in such a way that I don't have to please you or get your affirmation. I need to get his. And then he's going to transform you. I would realize that even though maybe only 5 or 10% of the people in the world, there's another statistic for you, will actually change. And honestly, the best feedback that a pastor can get is change lives towards Christ. I can't even look to that. Because 90 to 95% of you will stay the same. From now to your funeral, you won't want to change certain things about you. You'll continue to do the same things. You'll continue to suffer. But if I love you and I trust you to God, that along the way, whenever you get to be that 10% of the pie, we're going to celebrate. Like, we're going to celebrate. And we should be celebrating, like, when you don't get divorced and you make it to 50 years, right? Like, we should celebrate that. And when new couples get married, we should celebrate that. And when there's a baby here, let them scream. And if they interrupt you, you got issues with me. Okay? Like, if the kid runs a little bit, well, it's good calisthenics for you to move out of the way. Okay? This is family. This is life. God is in control and not us. If Jesus is Lord, if he's the Son of God, if it's true what God said, he knows the temptation you're facing. He knows the heartache you're facing. He knows the hurts you're facing. He knows the pressure that you feel. Like, he knows that, and he won't leave you alone in it. It's not up to me. It's not up to me. So let let us pray and be an honest people, okay? Lord, let's be honest. We just, there's so many aspects in each one of our lives where if you just watched how we live and walk, it would seem like we didn't trust that you were the Lord and that you were good, Jesus. We wouldn't trust that you were on the throne and all authority. We We wouldn't trust that we've been raised to eternal life with you even though we live in our flesh here, that spiritually we're alive forever with you. 
We wouldn't trust that you're growing us. We wouldn't trust that this is your will for my life, as Brandy keeps saying at our house. Like, this is God's will for my life right now. So God, search us, and you know us. You made us. Show us the aspects of our life that we need to bring Jesus, Emmanuel, with us. Thank you for my brother Ross, and we pray blessings over him, Lord, as he goes out to invest in these kids just today to comfort someone who's mourning, a little, a young boy. So, just bless him, grace him with your power and presence. Thank you for all the people that you brought here today. I pray that you would speak to their hearts through what John wrote. We say, we pray this and ask this in your name and in your power, Jesus. Amen.